Well, US GDP at first glance was well down on expectations, but when you look under the bonnet, consumption is a lot higher than expected, and so is investment. So it was good news. Not so good, though, for jobs. So does that vindicate Jerome Powell's slightly more dovish stance yesterday? And how will Europe's GDP numbers compare with the US today? And concerns over China, they've taken a bit of a backseat today. We'll look at why that is. This Friday, the 30th of July, 2021, it's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a half percent fall in the US dollar on the DXY this morning. The pound up almost half a percent. The euro up a third of one percent. The Aussie 0.3% up. The US dollar has lost 0.4% against the Japanese yen. While stocks are back, pushing to new highs, half a percent on the S&P and the Dow, the Nasdaq up about 0.1%. Basically, Facebook has been holding the uh, the Nasdaq back. Its shares are down 4% today after strong earnings yesterday, but accompanied by a warning that there's going to be a significant slowdown in growth. In Europe, the FTSE 100 up 0.9%, the Eurostox 50 up a third of 1%, 10-year treasuries are up three basis points, not much movement on European bonds, and big rises in oil. Brent is up 1.8%, WTI is up 1.7%, well beyond $73 a barrel now, uh, thanks to falling inventories in the United States. And gold is up 1.2%, silver up 3%, uh, but sadly, adding to uh, Australia's woes right now, iron ore is down 2.5%. So one day on from the Fed, let's talk to uh, NAB's gathering friend in London to see how the uh, how the markets have reacted one day on. Uh, it sort of seems like they've moved on a bit from the Fed, or have they? Yeah, morning, Phil. I think, um, yeah, so it is a day where, as you say, equities are up half percent or so across the board other than Chinese equities, which rebounded 3% or so after reports, those reports of a of a video conference between the Chinese regulators and, and a number of global banks and foreign investors in China, where the, the, the aim was to try and allay fears about the crackdown on China's education sector after the you know the sort of mini market route that we saw earlier in the week. So that was one prop, I mm. think. I think I, I do. Yeah, I think th- the fear was, wasn't it, that they were going to systematically go through every industry. But there's one official Chinese paper, the Economic Daily, uh, quoted today saying China remains supportive of domestic companies designed to list overseas, and will also soon unveil more measures to further open up its capital markets to foreign entities. Uh, knowledgeable and reliable sources said on Wednesday. This is the paper reporting that. So, uh, so in other words, it's almost official. Uh, so uh, yeah. th- that will have helped too, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, a bit of a smoothing operation. We're, of course, I mean, it, it would have left a few people nursing wounds. So there's been a decent b- bounce back. And I think, but I think people will be a little bit uh, wary. We'll need to see, you know, that news flow continue. Those. Um, you know, uh, suggestions uh, from 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 the regulators that, um, that, that that's meaningful. I think uh, you know, otherwise uh, pe- people are going to be rather uh, fearful. Um, I, I think the other you mentioned the Fed. I think that's really um, that has been a supportive factor. You know, what markets heard from the Fed this week was that it still sees it has a way to go before it can announce sufficient economic progress for a taper of its asset purchases and alongside apparent confidence that the the fed that, that you know the inflation will roll back down to target perhaps over the next year or so allowing it to focus more then on its maximum employment goal and all that adds up to a fed that thinks it's got time it's in no rush to hike rates i think we feel a little more vindicated in our own view that the fed will take its time and focus, if it can, on healing the labour market further once inflation drops, um, you know, versus the jolt, I think, that markets got 
back on the 16th of June with that combination of the taper uh, starting pistol being fired and the dot plot rate change. So I think, you know, that more dovish leaning has nudged the dollar a little bit lower again today. The, the dollar DXY index is still 1.5% to 2% above some important levels that it would need to break through to set to threaten new cycle lows. In the rate space, the Fed message has left 10-year break-even or inflation expectations, what, eight basis points higher than where they were prior to the Fed announcement, you know, um, the, the, i.e. that you're, not, you're perhaps not going to go as quick as you were. Um, and yet, 10-year nominal yields are unchanged as they take on board some slightly softer U.S. data, the Fed asset buying, of mm. course, and other technical factors. Well, on that U.S. data, uh, GDP was interesting, wasn't it, for Q2 for the U.S.? Because 6.5% sounds like quite a reasonable number, but the expectation was 8.5%. So then you think, oh, not so good. But then you look underneath the hood, consumption was strong, so was investment. So actually, it was a good result. Yeah, I think you're right. At first glance, we thought, wow, that's quite a miss. But to your point, private consumption, 11.8% Q on Q annualised. That, add, that added 7.8 percentage points to the total 6.5, i.e. 120% of the total came from that. You can't say that's weak. It's not weak. In fact, on a growth levels basis, the US has now regained its pre-pandemic growth levels. So why, why the headline miss? Two primary factors, really. A big drop in inventories. This is what's going on with the supply chains. And a, dra- and a drag, a negative drag from net trade. Recall we had that uh, advanced trade number earlier this week and uh, almost a record blowout in the US trade deficit. So uh, the inventories, that they dragged down GDP by 1.1 percentage points. Right, now, but I mean, convention- that, that, those inventories, though, we'll see that pick up, won't we? That'll be back next quarter. If it's not next quarter, if it's a bit slow, it'll be the, it'll be the quarter after that. But I mean, generally, we'll, we'll see it come back. But I think markets, you know, they, apart from a slight, very modest, decline in the dollar they've really taken that you know in their strides they're not worried about it because of that strength in private consumption i think uh, and they've and they've and they've overlooked another weekly jobless claims yeah well, i was going to say that although it almost vindicates uh, jerome powell for being very dovish and saying there's some way to go to full employment because those weekly jobless numbers four hundred thousand new jobless claims last week down from four hundred twenty-four thousand, uh, which was the revised figure uh from from the week before uh, so, so that's good, but the four-week average is increasing. So that's so that's not so good. Yeah, look, if you recall, we said last week the um, seasonal adjustment problems um, this time of the year from the annual auto retooling continue to dog these numbers. It's very difficult to get a clear handle on it, I, and I, I think that you know we, we and others think that the trend lower will reassert itself once once all this get, this mess gets out of the way. But as we also said last week the spike in the delta cases moves on in the u.s and it will have some impact so you're going to have you know impacts both sides of this number um, i do think though markets as i said have taken those lower numbers in their stride the dollar is a little bit lower aussie having a look above 74 cents kiwi above 70 cents but both lagging gains in sterling and in the euro and i think for good reason um, eurozone consumer confidence rebounded again uh, in july Actually, the highest level since records began in 1998 when the euro was introduced. Remember, we had those PMI numbers a week and a half, two weeks ago now, which showed that it's really the US and the UK that are suffering from the the delta and the, the, the supply disruptions. Europe 
is suffering, but nowhere near to the same extent. Now, today we're going to get Eurozone Q2 GDP. Um, consensus is for a one and a half percent print. If you if you um, if you look if you if you deconstruct the US number today, the six and a half into a quarterly number, it's about one point six. So if we th- there's a good chance here that we we come out the other side in 24 hours time with um, you know a higher Eurozone number than the US. Right. In terms um, of growth think, for the quarter, I think, I think, yeah. But I mean, indeed, but, I mean US indeed. GDP is now back, isn't it, above their pre-COVID levels, about 0.8%. I mean, this, even if it's a strong number for, for Q2 out of Europe, it's still going to be quite a way beyond, be, behind where it was when we went into this thing. Yeah, I mean, for the year, there's no doubt US is going to print 6.5-7% this year. Europe's going to print something like 4.5-5%. But the, it's, it's, it's the direction of travel. Um, you know, people have talked about peak growth. It's still growth, but it's at, at a slower rate. So, you know, the US will, you know, we'll we, we see what happens with inventories. But, you know, next year, we're going to get a role reversal. We're going to get the US, according to the Fed, growing at something like 3.3, whereas Europe is going to grow at 4.5, So uh, where does all this leave the ECB then? So we had Louis de Quindos, the uh, vice chair of the ECB, talking today uh, about when they should normalise monetary policy uh, which is uh, when things are normal, of course, uh, which he says normal means back to the pre-pandemic growth path. Now, that seems a long way to go. Well, you've got to split this up. The the, the, the PEP um, QE asset purchase program stands for, for, for pandemic emergency purchase program. Exactly that. And as, as the Hawks have already pointed out, it's for an emergency, right? So when you get through the crisis, which for most people will think the end of March, that's when the ECB is signaled potentially it'll go to, it would be a reasonable case to make um, that the crisis is over. So we move away from that. So then the ECB has got to look at what other tools it's got to try and get inflation uh, back up to target. We say this, I mean, inflation today in the Eurozone is going to print 2%, there or thereabouts. In Germany, yesterday, it printed 3.8% on a national level, 3.1% on a harmonised European level. German inflation is going up to 4 or 5% in the next few months. Some of it is base effects from a VAT cut last year, dropping out of the annual comparison. Some of it is things like food was up 4%. Um, oil prices pushed up energy prices by 11%. That makes hawks such as Jens Wiedmann, the president of the Bundesbank, the Austrian Central Bank and some of the other northern European central banks quite nervous and reticent to say carry on buying QE in a crisis measure. There's going to be a very, very healthy debate between hawks and doves over the next few months on this. And it's our guess that... um, the, the PET program will end uh, in March next year. And then the ECB will have to look at something else. It's got negative rates. They're not going to cut them anymore. It's got forward guidance. It's got this time fiscal policy working in unison with monetary policy. But it might have to up the thing that it's doing at the moment. It's called the asset purchase program. It's a non-pandemic uh, QE buying. It's buying 20 billion a month on that. Maybe it ups that to 40 or 50. It'll have to get past the Bundesbank to do so, though. 
though. Well, they said as much, didn't they, when they were doing their strategic review that it, that it will disappear and it'll be replaced by something uh, next year. So we'll see how that uh, mm. that develops. Look, uh, you mentioned the Aussie dollar, uh, not as strong as uh, as other currencies against that falling US dollar. Uh, there was a uh, some modelling by Professor Prokopenko from the University of Sydney's Centre for Complex Systems, a piece on the ABC today, suggesting uh, the middle of September at best is when Sydney is going to come out of lockdown. Uh, so speculation now that the RBA, rather than tapering in September, I mean, some people are actually suggesting they might actually step up bond purchases. Mm. Well, I don't think it's our view. I mean, uh, it's it's them reverting back to not tapering. I think is the is the common is the common belief, and we'll see where this goes. We shouldn't forget that. Um, you know, Australia hopes that it can get to a point of 70% vaccinations by maybe October, November. That's not that far away. I mean, you know, people are casting this at the moment that Australia is well behind. Once you get, I mean, the UK is nearly there now. The US, absent those that don't want to get vaccinated, will be close behind. Europe is very close with, with the UK. And then that leaves vaccina- uh, ph- pharmaceutical companies uh, extra resources to really ramp it up for, for for other countries, particularly in Asia and emerging nations, to get to get where they need to be. So for, you a, know, better, for a better twenty twenty two, yeah, absolutely. But well, on where you are, the the UK petri dish uh, case numbers have gone up the last couple of days, haven't they? Risen thirty uh, percent over two days. Yeah. But, uh, besides besides the European CPI and GDP, we get US personal income today. We get spending data for June, the core PCE deflator, and over the weekend China's PMIs as well. So there's lots to look at as well as obviously keeping an eye on those COVID numbers. There is indeed. I think um, that core PCE will obviously be uh, very important, but it it, doesn't really mean anything at the moment because we know it's elevated and we know that it's probably, it's going to come down over the coming months. But um, reflecting on, you know, a couple of really busy weeks in terms of what we've learned from the ECB last week, the Fed this week, and then the growth numbers from China last week, and then the US and Eurozone um, and inflation building, lots of stuff to take on board and liquidity is thin. Yeah, absolutely. Conversation for another day. We'll leave it there for now. Good to talk, Gavin. Catch you next time. Thanks, Phil. And that is the morning call from NAB. I'm Phil Dobby back again on Monday morning. See you then.